It's, uh, you, all, you guys all get extra Jesus points for coming to church on uh, the Sunday before Labor Day. So look forward to those Jesus points being uh, added to your account or whatever that you exchange for, I don't know, a slap bracelet or something. Uh, but before we, we kick off our teaching time, I wanted to do uh, a, cast a little vision for next weekend, which is our fall launch weekend. We have, we're going to have a party. Um, we've got a lot of things going on. It's going to be great. Our annual rhythms here at Redemption City as a church family kind of follow the, the school year. So uh, the Sunday after Labor Day, we kind of launch a new sermon series. We're launching a new ministry plan, kind of more suited to this building and, that we just moved into and our stage of life as a church family. And on top of that, we uh, feel super blessed to be in this neighborhood. It's a new neighborhood for us as a church family. And so we want to get to know our neighbors and uh, let them know that we're here and that we care for them. So there's two ways that you can uh, participate next weekend. The first one is to uh, come uh, do our invite morning on Saturday, next Saturday the 11th, starting at 8.30. We're going to grab some breakfast out here on the patio. And then we're going to uh, go hand out the, this cool invite that Reese Clanky designed uh, to just our immediate neighbors kind of around here uh, and just uh, introduce us ourselves as the church, invite them to a party, uh, and then um, this is my favorite thing to do, is ask if there's anything that we could pray for, uh, for pray for them about. Uh, it's super, you know, unoffensive and, you know, a lot of times people say like, oh no, I'm good, but every now and then you get one of those funny experiences where they'll rant for 10 minutes on how like they don't believe in God and they also hate him, but will you pray for these five things? <laughs> or whatever. It's just a cool way to say like, hey, we're here, we love being here, and we want to get to know you. A uh, low-pressure way to connect with some of our immediate neighbors. You can uh, bring your kids or your non-annoying dogs. Those are good icebreakers. Um, and uh, just participate in, in uh, getting to know our, our neighbors a little bit. So I invite you to do that Saturday, 8.30. Uh, we'll, we'll feed you as well. And then you can participate in our launch party, which will be right after our worship gathering next Sunday, 11.30-ish. Uh, and the ways you can participate in this is you can bring good food. You can bring a good side dish or dessert. Um, and then also bring a friend and bring your friendliness. Uh, if you're a, a call this church home, we invite you to consider yourself a host next Sunday at that launch party. There's someone that you don't recognize, like go up and in, introduce yourself and welcome yourself uh, or welcome them into uh, the church family. If you're wondering, how, how, what does it look like to be on mission? How, what are the, all the ways I can be on mission? Here are two opportunities uh, where you can pursue people, join God in pursuing people who need Jesus. Um, it, it's pretty, pretty simple. But just, you know, dream with me for a hot second. Like, what if someone that you, like, pray for at their front door, or someone that you introduce yourself next Sunday is, like, in getting baptized, is in the tub, like, next Easter, calling Jesus Lord because you uh, stepped out in faith and got a little courage and introduced yourself. I just love that God uses our little efforts to do his epic work. So, that's the vision for next weekend. I invite you to, to jump in and participate. Let me pray as uh, Janie comes up to read, read scripture. Oh, Father, we just stand slash sit here surrounded by grace. This beautiful morning, this beautiful building that you've given to us recently. Uh, the joy it is to belong in the people of God. And we also just rejoice that you, you don't save us and put us on a shelf, but you call us into life with you, into your mission of seeking to save and um, save the lost. And so we pray that you would uh, just bless our weekend, uh, these, these meager efforts we have to love our neighborhood and welcome people into our church family. Would you, would you bless them? Uh, would, you, uh, would you do your redeeming work in people's lives through our efforts? In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. 
Um, this week's scripture is found in Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. And if you're using the Pew Bible, that's going to be on page 821. So Luke 15. One second. There's a page turn right away. Okay. So verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Thank you, Janie. Well, special shout out to all the college students in the house. Any college students in the house? Yes. There we go. Calvin in the house? I met a few of you. Yes. Very reserved, CRC. <laughs> Cornerstone, any Cornerstone folks in the house? Yeah, there you go. Um, well, great to, great to have you guys. Uh, hope the semester's off to, to, <laughs> to a good start. Um, got me thinking I was at, at one of the, the church college fair thing, booths or whatever, um, this week, thinking about my college years uh, way back in the day and uh, three weeks into my senior year, part of my story is that I, I dropped out of college. Three, I ended up finishing, so uh, don't freak out. But um, I dropped out three weeks in and on a whim bought a ticket to Argentina. Uh, I was like halfway fluent in Spanish at the time. And I was like, I'm going to just go and do some backpacking and try to learn some more Spanish. And, you know, it was like a week later, I got off the plane in Buenos Aires and was like, what have I done? Like, I don't know anybody in like a 6,000 mile radius or whatever. But it, it turned out to be a great experience. Four months <clears throat> just kind of wandering around, spent some time in, in Buenos Aires for a while, uh, you know, get, experienced the city for the first time and traveled to the mountains, just some epic, fierce, you know, Patagonia landscapes. Uh, doing it alone was like super, super piercing and all that. Um, uh, it, but it became a very lonely season. Like, it's not natural to just, like, not know anyone in an entire continent and wander around. That was my beatnik stage, you know. I had very little money, so doing, like, you know, one meal a day. And I would take, like, overnight buses because then I wouldn't have to, like, actually get a hostel to stay at. I could kind of, like, sleep in the bus station on the, like, hard tile and then sleep in the, sleep in the bus on the way to the next town. And I'd kind of let my beard and my hair grow out. So I was, like, the, the guy with the backpack, you know, and the kids were 
shuffled away from me by their parents to, to stay safe. And um, it was a, a profound experience of, of that kind of like loneliness and disconnection. And then I, I came home two days before Christmas. I walked into the door of the house that I grew up in, and my family moved towards me. My little sister was like eight at the time, and she like squealed and ran and jumped into my arms. And I, just, I remember, maybe because I'd been sleeping on like bus station tile, I, they got super plush carpet all over their house while I was gone. It was like, it was like living in a pillow. And, uh, you know, Bing Crosby singing Christmas carols, and my mom had plenty of delicious food cooking, and it was just like one of the sweetest moments of experiencing home that I'd ever felt. And I, I tell that story because today we're going to talk about repentance. And the cry of my heart, the main idea for this morning is that repentance is coming home. That repentance is coming home, like how I experienced after my, my sojourn in a far lonely country. A place where people move towards you and embrace you, where there's good food, literally and figuratively. And there's this safe, comfy place to, to be you and grapple with who you are and what's going on. And for, for years now, uh, and Pastor Mike shares this passion with me, the, the connection between like flourishing and repentance has been heavy on my heart. And it's a word also that I think needs, needs, some, needs some love, needs some TLC. It's got some religious baggage uh, that could be a little bit scary depending on your background or, or what you've experienced in church. So my prayer is we could let kind of scripture unpack what repentance is and what it feels like. Uh, to kind of root this in uh, Jesus' main message, look at me at Mark 1, 14 uh, through 15. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. Repentance is central to the message of the man that we claim to follow. So I think it be, could be helpful for us to like dive in, like, what did Jesus mean? What's going on here? Why is it good news? Why is this word repentance that could be like scary, I don't know, guilt-mongering, uh, maybe even religiously abusive at some point, why would Jesus have it closely associated with this idea of gospel, of good news, glad tidings? You know, is repentance something that we do, you know, when we're nine and never look back? Is it something that, you know, people yelled at you in megaphones on the street, you know, street corners or whatever? Or, like, for me, sometimes the traditional religious repentance, think, I think of, like, the albino guy from Da Vinci Code. You guys do, like, you remember that? He was, like, whipping himself. It was, like, creepy scene or whatever. It's, like, you, we, this, like, negative thing. And in our cultural moment, uh, th- that's kind of how I feel like it's seen. Because we're supposed to, what? Live our truth. Like, be true to ourselves. Like, any sense of, like, repentance, turning, changing our minds. Like, all that stuff. Like, we've we got to stay true to us. And so, we need to see this idea of repentance uh, according to Scripture and, and not let uh, society taint it. And I think the best picture of repentance, the best story to capture, I think, true gospel repentance is the story of the prodigal son that we just read. So we're going to camp out in that and kind of walk through that parable, love, love Jesus' stories. Uh, stories in general are powerful, and when Jesus tells a story, I think taking a nice long soak in it can be really, really helpful. Um, so that's where we're going to be, and we're just going to walk, walk through this parable and see the different elements, like, the, like if we were going to make like a repentance cake, you know, or something like that, like what would be the ingredients that would go into it? So Here we go, starting in verse 11. Read 11 and 13. Jesus said, There's a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So this is, you know, a Feltbore fame, kind of a Jesus parable, but like what the younger son just said to his dad is, I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff. I'd rather have your stuff. I'd rather have your money than be in a relationship with you. Than be in a relationship and experience life with you under your rule and your house. Like you as father of the house. And this is the, the need for repentance. This is why we all need repentance. And incredibly in the story, the father gives his son half of the property. Like We, we miss some of the scandal if we've heard it a lot. This is devastating pain, relational destruction that, that would have probably echoed throughout the entire region of, of this wealthy man's village. The father sold land, livestock, liquidated assets, let servants go to give the son what he asked for. And, and what does the son do? Like, go on to establish himself as a respectable community citizen? No. He, he, he squanders it on reckless living. He, he goes to Vegas and just burns through it on feasts and prostitutes. But this is, my dad had this fascination with bankrupt professional athletes. I don't know why. It was like this Sports Illustrated article that he had posted in his office growing up. And like, but there's like a story of a guy who you know, was a multi-multi-millionaire and like blew his money because he would like charter jets, pack it with all his friends from, you know, high school and go to Vegas for a weekend and just like pay for everything. It's like this absurd, just like ridiculous uh, waste of resources, this resources that his father earned and did, like gathered over time being, trying to be a, a businessman or whatever. He takes his father's stuff and tries to get the stuff to satisfy him. He rejects his father for the father's stuff. And this is the reality of sin. This is why, this is the need, the, the, why we need repentance. All of us have taken God's stuff and rejected him. And then we try to use his stuff to build our own little kings. We, we don't want to live life with God under his rule. We want to live life on our own under our own rule. We want to be true to ourselves. We want to live our truth. But look how this little experiment ends up for the guy in verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So after all the, the partying is over, he is here with nothing. He's hungrier than pigs, less valuable to society than pigs. And personally, I think pigs are pretty awesome. You know, they could take like apple cores and make them bacon or whatever. But in, but in Jewish culture, they, they did not like uh, pigs that much. Uh, and they, they were, it was unclean animal. And so here he is like with longing to eat pig slop, feeling like almost like at a lower level than, than pigs. And this is the context of repentance. At the end of his rope, ashamed, filthy, hungry, desperate. And here, Jesus shows us the heart of repentance, the first part of 17. It says, but when he came to himself, just start there, he came to himself. There's so much in that one little phrase. It's one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. It's like, the scales fell off of his eyes, and he saw himself sitting there amongst pigs, hungry and jealous of pigs. And he comes to himself, what am I doing? 
First, he's desperate, but he's still scheming. He's like, maybe I just get a little pig slob, I can like take care of this problem. He's still grinding. But then we get to the heart of repentance. You come to yourself, you see yourself clearly, you see the, the disgustingness of your desires clearly, the, the horror of what you've done to your father. So much of in our lives, almost everything in our culture is trying to keep us from coming to this, coming to ourselves, to this heart of repentance. Uh, we just can distract ourselves and prop ourselves up with you know with fun or getting work done or just noise and busyness. Uh, the truth is, we can't come to this heart of repentance in a, if we're in a hurry. And the, sun, the money runs out. The sun finally slows down. Finally, had space for the alcohol and women and party noise to fade. He could see himself clearly. And this leads him to the language of repentance. He said, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but here I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You see, the kind of result of getting to that, that heart of repentance, the result of getting to uh, coming to yourself, He's not pulling any punches. I have sinned against God and my father. I don't even, I don't even deserve to be a servant. I'm not, I don't deserve to be your son. I have no rights, no defense, no explanation that will make my sin against you any less devastating and catastrophic. It just is. Repentance is good news, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come with pain. It requires us to come to ourselves and see those ugly parts of our hearts, of our, of our desires. Repentance is not just like, ah, I got some regrets. Repentance isn't live and learn, or I need a little help, a little tweak in this area. It's, I have sinned against the almighty God of the universe. I've rebelled against the true good king. And next he says, let me just be a servant. Let me just work for you. Because even that would be a gift. Even being a slave would be a grace to me, would be a gift to me. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heaven. I think we see this in this language of like, anything would be grace. Just let me be your slave. Let me be a servant. I don't deserve anything, but I'm going to ask for this. Poor in spirit means being spiritually bankrupt, having nothing, aware of the fact we have nothing to offer God, nothing to bring to the table. My spiritual bank account is hopelessly empty. I am a beggar. This is super weighty when you think about it, because this isn't just like one path into life with God. Like you could be spiritually bankrupt, you can you know, be poor in spirit, or you could, you know, I don't know, be a Protestant work ethic or whatever. No, Jesus says this is required. This is how we receive the kingdom of God, understanding our spiritual poverty. Look what the son does next, the first part of 20. And he arose and came to his father. This is the move of repentance. He got up and left the pig slops and returned to his father. He doesn't get cleaned up. He doesn't save any money. He just rises and goes. In repentance, we realize our spiritual poverty and we go to our father. We turn from the pig slop and we turn to God our father. No real repentance leaves us in the slops. Real repentance draws us to our Father. 
which would put it over and against feeling condemnation or guilty, these emotions that would keep us away from God. Like, you ever have that experience where you sin, and you're like, oh, I just need to let that sin cool off before I can, like, read my Bible again or something. That's not repentance. We move towards the Father, but praise his name, we don't have to go far. Look what happens next. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. When was the last time you saw your dad run towards you and embrace you? It's just not what elderly men do. Even the sweetest, most affectionate of elderly men. It's, this is meant to be a ridiculous picture. But Jesus is showing us the beautiful response of God our Father towards repentance. Psalm 51 says it like this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God runs to us. The father in the story, he felt compassion. He embraced him, kissed him. The same father who was told, I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff, saw him from afar because he was looking for him, longing for him to come home. And he lifts up his robes and runs to the son. Can we just pause and use our imagination? Put ourselves into the lived experience of the son here. Imagine the deep guilt and shame for what you've done to your father. Imagine the desperations. Imagine returning to your father covered in a pig slop, pig excrement, mud, fully deserving to be rejected. And in your desperation, the father runs to you. He wraps his arms around you. He kisses you with tears in his eyes. You start to, you start to mumble, I, I, just let me be your servant. I'm not even, I, I don't even deserve anything. But the father won't hear any of that. Instead, he says, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. And he, with joyful, joyful tears in his eyes, replaces the wrecks. He re- replaces the, the, pig, the pig excrement with comfortable, clean clothes. He, he gives an extravagant ring that marks you as a son who is beloved. And he tells everyone, let's celebrate. This, my son, was dead, and now he's alive. The cry of my heart is that this would be our understanding of repentance. When you hear the call to repent, that it would be this, leave the pig slops and come covered in whatever you might have on you, literally or figuratively, to the Father. Leave the far country where no one would give us anything and come home to a Father who's waiting to embrace us, to kiss us, and throw us a huge party. Repentance requires that we go desperately, needing grace because we don't deserve to be a servant. But we're going to ask because we have no other options. We're at the end of our rope. And God in his glorious grace will hear nothing of being a servant or a slave. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. By whom we cry, Dad. I'm sorry. In Christ, he's adopted us as sons and daughters. We can call him Father. We receive the, the new clothes. We go into a party, a room full of good food and people who are excited to see us. 
Repentance is not feeling worthless, paying penance for bad things we've done, beating ourselves up all the time. It's a turning from the slop to our Father's loving embrace. Now, Martin Luther, the guy who started the Protestant Reformation, and it's probably a big part, whether you know him or not, a big part we're in this room to get together today, he uh, wrote 95 theses and nailed them to the door of a Catholic church in Germany. Uh, and the very first theses, uh, thesis is this. Our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. That's kind of a scary, scary sentence from old Marty, <laughs> depending on how we, uh, how we understand repentance. But listen, guys, if it is this coming home, it is coming home to receive the Father's embrace, and this is good news. Like the life of being a Jesus follower is returning to our Father's loving embrace in Christ. Leaving the far country, the isolation, desperation, the pig slops, and embracing or receiving the embrace of our Father. So diagnostic questions for you. What what is your far country? What are your what are your pig slops? I don't know if this is helpful, but one thing that's helpful for me is the so what test. The so what test is whatever the thing is that makes the gospel, life with God under his rule, loving rule, seem like not that big a deal. That's your so what. You're like, so what that I am one with God, that I can experience life with God if I never get married? So what if I have life with God if I have to stay married to this person? So what if I, if I get life with God if I'm stuck in this job? This just reveals, the, the so what's reveal the things, that the slops that we want to go to to get satisfied. Are those things bad? Of course not. But when they try to replace God in our hearts, then that's when they become, that's when they become pig slops. So daily, hourly, minutely, when we see sin, and things pop up in our lives, we don't condemn ourselves. We're not surprised, right? Like, at one point, can we get like unsurprised by the wicked coming up in our hearts? It's like, oh yeah, I figured it was there. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Instead, we let those those sins that come up it be like fruit that we can trace down to the root of unbelief and come home to our loving heavenly Father. And to see how like powerful God's redeeming work in our lives can be. We let it, when sin becomes redeemed, because it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a reminder, it sends us back to our Father's embrace. Even our own sin draws us deeper into life with God if we let it. We let our emotions, our lust, our anger, our anxiety show us the slop in our lives and show us where we need to go to receive God's embrace in Christ. Let his love change us. So much of the work of following Jesus is turning from the slops, turning from unbelief in like practical ways, and then showing up to the Father in practical ways to let the Spirit make us clean. And I just love it. There's this move of repentance. Like he got up and went to the Father, but he wasn't even all the way there. And he, did like, he barely got his whole confession out. And the Father does everything else. He just receives grace, the Son does. So practically, I have two things for you to consider. The, the first one is to create, create space to come to yourself. Slow down enough to do uh, what Christians throughout the millennia have called silence and solitude. There's very little repentance, very little like coming home to ourselves happens when we're frazzled and distracted and running around a million miles a minute. It comes with, within space where we uh, can let the Spirit search us and know us, like Psalm 139 says. 
What would it take for you to, to have 15 minutes a day to be silent before God? Or 15 minutes a week, whatever. Just let God see you. Let God see you and speak to you, convict you of sin. And invite you back into his loving embrace. And the second thing um, is I invite you to join a life transformation group that we're launching here. James 5 says pretty bluntly, like, confess your sin to one another. And our life transformation groups uh, are small three to four person groups, gender specific groups where uh, we can go deep with this stuff. We'll follow a simple weekly flow that includes this, this act, this practice of repentance and faith. It's a chance to weekly have some space with other brothers or sisters that you can return to the Father. Or sometimes they can help us see our pig slops that we can't see. Because the thing about blind spots is that we can't see them. And this is part of the gift of being in uh, Christian community. Because this is a, a, a horizontal practice. This is like so convicting to me. A, hor- a horizontal practice that I think can make vertical reality, like a person-to-person practice that makes vertical reality life with God so much more tangible. Because I think we're, we're lying to ourselves if we're like, oh yeah, I'm, I, I will repent to God, but I don't want to let anyone else know. Like, there's something going on here where I'm like, be real flippant about talking about my sin to God the Father, but I don't want anyone else to, to any other fallen humans to, to know that. So if you want to jump in and explore that, uh, you can go to our website, redemptiongr.org. There's a form you can fill out. We'll, we'll try to get you plugged in. But what, what feels heavy on my heart uh, is sometimes in the church world, you know, we... We, we might only get through the first few parts of repentance, like the, the context, the, the language, the desperation. You know, I'm bad, God's good, I don't deserve to be a child of God. It's, it's all by grace. But then we need to serve him or just do things for him. And while it's true, 100% true, that none of us deserve to be children of God, that we've sinned against him, the, the good news repentance is that receiving of the embrace of our Father, like being with him, receiving that love. And receiving is one of the hardest things that we can do. Like, you know, what is it like to receive a compliment or receive a gift? You know, it's like never show up to dinner empty-handed, right? It's like, I mean, which is probably good manners or whatever, but it's because we feel uncomfortable just letting someone feed us. Or maybe we're not touchy-feeling people or not naturally relational or didn't have, you know, affectionate earthly fathers. So there's like the categories for like letting God just sing over us with songs of delight as our, as our beloved father. It just doesn't register. And so you know, one of the things that just breaks my heart is that we live out of, we, we li- live out of this parable like we come to the father and just like duck out from under his hug. Like, no, 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 I don't deserve it. Just let me, I'm just going to go straight to the field. I'm going to rotate the sheep and just get some stuff done. I don't deserve it. Let me do stuff for you. But doing stuff for God is not the same as experiencing life with God as his child which is why I'm always talking about the spiritual disciplines, because they're one way that we can be with God, go to God and be with him and let him be with us and receive from him what he says is true about us. Coming home and receiving each day the, the new mercies that God has for us is what it means to follow follow Jesus. Just like when God sent bread in the wilderness to his people back in the Old Testament, the gospel is our manna. Each day we repent, we return to our Father, we eat our daily bread, our daily embrace of grace. 
A life of repentance looks like an intimate trust and dependence where you bring that ugly out before God. You pour out your heart to him because he cares for us. And it's beautiful because you can even bring your mistrust to God. Like that's actually one of the, I think, strongest evidences of trust is when you bring your doubt to God. Like you don't need to keep that hidden until you figure it out by yourself. You're like, God, I... I don't even, I'm not even sure that you're there right now. Or I kind of wish you, there's a psalm, Psalm 39. I was just thinking about this yesterday. Like, where David literally says, like, leave me alone so I can smile again to God. Like, God can handle that kind of stuff. Whatever you're experiencing, pray what you got. Lust, anger, fear, guilt, loneliness. Turn from it. Receive the Father's embrace. How can this be possible? How can such good news exist? Well, look how, look what happens next. In verse 23, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. We see in this story that something had to die for this repentance party could happen. For you and me, it was Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God who lived perfectly in the Father's embrace. The only one who never said, I want your stuff and not you. Never rejected the Father. But on the cross, all our rebellion and rejection was put onto him. He was pierced for our transgression. All our abuse of God's good gifts that we have done has been paid for. And then he rose again so that, like the prodigal son, we can join him in his resurrection. We can be alive again and experience the truth of God's love under his rule and reign. Let me pray. Oh, Father, how can it be? How can this good news be true? It's too much to fathom your grace towards us in our slops, in our rejection of you, in our just open hostility of wanting your stuff and not you, wanting your stuff on our terms. I just praise you for this glorious grace. I praise you for the the joy it is um, to grow in repentance and just feel that experience of of coming home to you, coming home to the truth of the gospel. Father, may we be a a church family of repenters. We be a church family that uh, just enjoy the celebration of repentance, speaking the gospel to each other, receiving the gospel uh, to each other. Father, we we know that um, this is your your heart for us, and so we we just confess uh, times when we are, are slow to come to you, uh, when we try to just do, do work for you instead of be with you. So would you just call us deeper into your love? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.